want to welcome everybody to episode three of Patriotic Voices, honoring those who serve. Uh, the first couple of episodes, if you joined in, really kind of laid the, brown, the groundwork for today, just given the background on um, the Manhattan Project and the nuclear testing that was done, not only with our civilians, but uh, predominantly with our military. And obviously that's who we're honoring. Uh, a couple of the veterans that we're talking about today. Uh, one is my dad. And also we're going to talk about another veteran, Rex Mashborn. He was also serving with dad. And that ties in with my two guests today, which happen to be my brothers. Uh, my brother Bill, who's on the phone from California. Say hi. Hello, everyone. And then my brother Rob, who's sitting here across from me. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Appreciate that. Um, so obviously, you know, our connection to the Atomic Veterans is through our dad. And then Bill also uh, is connected with his uncle, Rex Mashburn, who served with dad. And uh, he's going to be able to give a little bit of uh, insight onto his service. And obviously, we'll be talking about dad. Um, I guess kind of the starting point really is... I don't, you know, recall that the first point in time that I realized Dad had served in the Navy. Um, do you guys remember at what point, as we were growing up? Because obviously he he served from fifty six to sixty, so it wasn't like he was still serving when we were born. Um, but that's not one of the things that I recall. Yeah, I remember. Do you want to take this one, Bill? Or yeah, I think I, I knew probably from a pretty early age just because of the connection between um, dad and, and my um, my uncle and how that connection works. So I kind of knew that they they served together and were in the, the Navy and stationed out of Long Beach. Yeah, I'd say pretty much the same for me. I was, I was young, you know, uh, real young, probably five, six, seven years old and knew that dad had been in the Navy. Um, you know, not anything, you know, about any of the uh, atomic weapons or tests or anything like that, but just that he had been in the Navy. How long did your uncle serve? Do you know, Bill? Uh, I don't know for sure. Um, my guess is that he was in about the same time Dad was um, and got out around the same time. Okay. That yeah. would be my guess. Yeah, because they're only a couple of months apart in age. Because mm -hmm. um, dad was born in April and your uncle was born in February of 38. So same age. And sadly, um, due to their radiation exposure, they passed away within 12, I think it's 12 days of each other. So they were both 64 at the time that they passed, which is crazy. Um, and that's the one thing I don't think we've real, I've been able to find yet is how many of the guys that were on the Navarro that were there during um, the atomic weapons test that we're going to talk about today, um, how many of them have actually passed away from cancer and how many are left? Because um, I know in the research that I've done, it's more finding out that, wow, dad was there for a lot. They were there for a lot more tests than what we initially thought. And it wasn't even something that dad really, he brought up, you know, that I know of just the one time with you, Rob. Yep. Um, so you want to kind of go into how we learned that dad participated in one of the atomic weapons tests? Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, you know, knew that dad 
you know, had been a sailor in the Navy and, you know, talked about his rate. <clears throat> he was an engineman. Uh, you know, knew that his rank was third class petty officer. You know, he had his his jumper, his um, blues top, so I could, you know, I, I knew about it. Uh, I'd seen his sea bag, so knew that he was in the Navy, but that's all he ever said was that he, he worked on the captain's gig, the, the small craft that ran the captain to shore and, and to the ship. And that he was, you know, uh, mechanically inclined and did that kind of work. And that was really all he ever said uh, until, uh, you know, one day as a as a 20-something adult, um, I was over at his house and, and uh, you know, as we all as we all know, Dad wasn't the most talkative guy in the world. But uh, <laughs> Unless you mixed alcohol. Then well, Dad was very talkative. <laughs> true. Um, he got up and exited the room without saying anything. And... Uh, he was rummaging around in, in a like a security box that he he kept his important papers and stuff in and uh, he walked back into the room and and without really saying much of anything he handed me a, a folded up piece of paper which when I looked at it turned out to be you know a nice piece of parchment that was folded <laughs> so as I unfolded it uh, it was his certificate um, from the Navy from uh, serving uh at operation hardtack and you know i unfolded it and and there's a uh, subtle mushroom cloud i mean you have to it's not prominent on the document but as you look you can see it and when i looked up at him he had kind of a smirk on his face and i said is this what i think this is and he just kind of chuckled and said yeah i was at a atomic or i was at a nuclear weapon test and you know i, I was 20-some years old when I, you know, had asked him 50 times before if he had done anything in the Navy, and it was always no. Well, but that also kind of leads into the fact that they were not allowed to talk about it. They were sworn to secrecy. They could have probably ended up in jail if Dad would have shared information about what he did um, or what they observed during that, because that wasn't uh, repealed until 1996. So you, you go from 1958 when you participated in these atomic weapons tests and you go until 1996 before you're allowed to even say a word about it. But in the meantime, thousands upon thousands of these guys got cancer, many passed away and didn't have that ability to really, had, had no recourse until uh, the late 90s. Um, and Bill, I know, because obviously they served together and it was it more from learning about dad's um, participation in it than that you realized that your uncle would have been there too? Yeah, that was the only way I knew that he was there. Um, I don't ever remember talking to him growing up about his service um, other than, you know, again, the connection. Um, with the with the aunt and uncle or the aunts my mom and and my aunt um so i didn't have any other any other dialogue with him until um i heard about dad and then it was like oh well uncle rex was on the same ship so and then it kind of connected with some of the health issues he was dealing with yeah because obviously Dad's was only colon cancer that spread. 
Um, but your mm-hmm. uncle had quite a few more issues. And um, I think, did he have a longer battle with cancer um, or multiple battles? Um, I don't know that he had cancer. He had a lot of other ailments um, that I think are were part of it. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some cancer in there that, that I just didn't realize at the time. Yeah. Because, and that's, you know, obviously it wouldn't have been necessarily just cancer. They could have had thyroid issues and all kinds of other ailments from that exposure to the radiation, not just cancer. Um, Yeah. But kind of going in more to, you know, what obviously we've been throwing out the word Operation Hardtack. Um, Just some background on that. It started in April, um, early April 1958. They finished up in mid-August. They did... Just at the Enoweetak Atoll, which for those, it's like, think of the Marshall Islands way out in the Pacific, super pretty water, you know, these, you know, thinly um, laced uh, lagoons with, you know, land around it with a lot of water in in the middle. Um, And they did 22 at Enoweetak. So there was a total, though, of 35 within Hartak with... Um, not only at the Enoweetak Atoll, but they, at the Johnston Island, as well as the Bikini Atoll. So there were quite a few um, tests that were completed. Uh, and a couple of the different um, places that kind of sponsored the testing was the Los Alamos Scientific Laboratory, which is obviously one of the locations that the government built to help develop, and that's they were the ones doing the design of the weapons um, to then obviously utilize the product that was being made not only at Oak Ridge, Tennessee, but also up in Washington. And then you also had University of California Radiation Laboratory. And then you also had tests um, sponsored with uh, the Department of Defense. So you had a couple of different people sponsoring all of the weapons tests that were done, some of which were designed to determine what the effects were. Um, Others were just weapons development. And then there was a couple of them in there thrown in there that were like safety tests. And a couple of those, I think the safety tests were the ones that they designed it to purposely not explode. Um, and a number of, from just from the research that I had done, it looked like a lot of the tests that they did there, they set them off on barges. So they set the barge up, put everything out there, and then, you know, obviously um, did the tests. And, you know, obviously, Rob, you had talked about Dad saying that, oh, yeah, I was... You know, I participated in a test. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> as I did, you know, digging, doing my research, they do have the declassified report from Operation Hardtack available online. And I was able to get a hold of that and just a nice little search of uh, the Navarro in there and come to find out they were, pre- dad would have been present for 10 of the tests that were done at Enoweetok and Bikini. Um, one of the thing, cool things that we found um, when dad had lived in an apartment, then he got a house, he thought he had lost some of his paperwork. And then after he passed away, there was a large drum that he had sitting in the garage that as I dig, dug through it, I found the missing paperwork that had his um, journals. So he literally, and I, and I don't know if your uncle did this too, Bill, but you know, dad had wrote down every stop that when they were out to sea, every location and the dates, when they got there, when they left. Um, So we had it in his handwriting saying, hey, got to the Marshall Islands on July 2nd. 
and left, you know, and a wee talk on August 5th. Um, he was actually, you know, and the first one that they list here was the date that they got there, um, which was, they named these, all of the tests for and a wee talk are um, after like trees and shrubs. So Sequoia was the first one that looks like they were probably about 150 um, miles southwest of the atoll. So they hadn't gotten in there quite yet. Um, but then the rest of them, they were present um, through all of them through um, the end of July, which is kind of crazy because some of these are rather large tests. And then one of the cool, I guess cool, but you know, a little unnerving is they diagram out in that report where everybody was sitting. So where all of the ships were anchored, um, if they were just anchored, if they were, um, it also lists um, some of the aircraft that was um, utilized. Because um, as Harp, Operation Hartack, they was part of Joint Task Force 7. So it was Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines. So they had, and civilians. So you had a ton of people involved um, throughout that whole um, two-month period. But it was interesting on a couple of the pictures where you see the, the nuclear symbol right on the atoll that shows, okay, this is where we set the, we did the explosion. And, and if, if I'm not mistaken, I think, didn't Dad say he, they stood on the, the deck and watched at least? Uh, as, as I recall, um, he... Uh, you know, again, said that he was at anatomic weapon test. <laughs> As um, we know, it was a lie. It's multiple tests. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do recall him saying that that he witnessed that. I mean, that he watched the the detonation. Yeah. That's just the only thing is we don't know which one because right. he never said no. which one that they were there. Um, but there's a couple that it, I would think that would have been possible that they might have done probably more like dogwood which that was literally on set off at the atoll um at noe talk and then there was a couple others i think olive was another one um that 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 shows in the report that it was set off right on the edge of the atoll um and from this um they were really tasked with a couple of things so they were there to provide transportation and evacuation if need be um, but then also as a potential um, radiation decontamination center uh, but from the report it doesn't look like they did any decontamination activity from what's in here um, which it's kind of cool to finally kind of see everything that went on um, that you know we would have never known because dad would have probably never said <laughs> um as through the time um but probably the the worst thing on the list or the thing that bugs me the most is they have one of the tables that it talks about the ex personnel exposures and it lists every ship um how many per number of persons they said that were badged so i'm guessing they probably had a badge on them that had like kind of like x-ray material that would show whether or not they had any radiation on them or were exposed. And for um, the Navarro, they had, a hundred, say they said 110 had zero exposure whatsoever. 
And then we had another 205 that was in the 0 0.001 to 0.5 range, which is obviously the lowest um, end of the scale. But obviously we know that quite a few from the Navarro have gotten sick and have gotten passed away, including dad. Um, so that's kind of, for me, you know, the thing that's like, okay, wait a minute, that doesn't seem necessarily accurate, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I agree. I, I, I wonder about that, um, especially if they're, I mean, how does that badge, how would it have uh, tested how much radiation they got in their body when it's just this little badge? Ex yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things, I haven't found a picture yet. I was going to um, hopefully... Um, because I what I've done is I've sent email out to the Ohio rep for the National Association of Atomic Veterans to see if he would be interesting in sitting down for the podcast. And that's a good question to ask is, hey, they said you guys were badged. What exactly did that mean? And, you know, what what's the size yeah. of it? I'm thinking like a small badge. I, I, you can't tell me that that would have picked everything up. Well, it's so those dosimeters and still use them today and we've got them at work, but they it's it's a if if this space received this much then i can extrapolate that to say that you received this much and um you know god knows i'm no danger of being a nuclear physicist but <laughs> nuclear physics is actually pretty straightforward and you know the the technology that was available then is still we still use old 1950s CDV stuff at at work because it still works. So, you know, I, I would think that their dosimeters, you know, were fine for the day. I just question... I question the veracity of the government's um, data. Yes, especially when they pretty much willingly set up a very large fund exactly. to say, hey. If, if you didn't you receive any radiation and we have set up a uh, well-funded, um, for lack of a fund, yes. for your untimely illness and passing, but we say you didn't receive any radiation, why did you actually set up the fund? Exactly. So. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um, and that's the, the sad part of, and here's the sad part about that. The funds were set up in 1990. George H.W. Bush set it up, but the nuclear secrecy wasn't repealed until 96 with Clinton. So you set up the money six years before they're allowed to even go after it. So what does that make any sense? And really the big part really kind of came out in 95 um, after they did a couple of articles um, in Albuquerque, the Albuquerque Tribune that hmm. led to the task for the kind of task force um, that then produced a thousand page report to say, hey, guess what? We did tests on civilians without their permission. Oh, by the way, they, it included kids and pregnant women. So that's mm -hmm. when all of that blew up. So that was that was ninety October, I think, of ninety five when the report came out. So then in ninety six, it got repealed. Wow. So it, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it, the timing of it. I'm like, how do you set the money up before you 
allow them the ability to even go to the VA to even talk to anybody about it. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. If they weren't 100% positive that these guys were all exposed. Yeah. If they're testing people without their knowledge, then I have to question their data. Yes, very much so. Um, But, uh, you know, and that's, and there's so many of them that did get sick and pass away um, that didn't get any of that information. And they could have been, had family then that passed away that didn't even get to, um, submit that information as you know as next of kin because they may have passed away as well um but what has finally come out that is official um and it was all approved in december as i talked about on the last one july 16th is now 100 percent in the u.s code as the official atomic veterans day so it will be celebrated every year um to give those guys their due and um and the national defense um, approval for their basically their budget for 2022 that was signed into law um, in at the end of December they will now get their service medal um, they have 180 days from the time that that was approved so 180 days um, that they have to have it set ready to go to be able to tell the veterans this is how you can apply to get this medal um, and actually as of now, they were supposed to, um, 60 days before that, which is here at the end of April, they are um, to have put together the preliminary um, ways, you know, or who's eligible to get this. Um, And next of kin will also be able to be um, able to request that service medal. So we'll be able to request dads. um, And you guys would be able to, for your uncle to request his um as well if he you know if everything kind of lines up from a qualification perspective once um and i'll keep up on that so we can find out when that's available then it's just a matter of filling out the form to say hey um you know dad was an atomic veteran rex was an atomic veteran and they deserve their recognition so yeah hey bill speaking of yeah speaking of next of kin do you know with your uncle um did did his immediate family did his next of kin did they did they file a, a claim like we did for dad no okay not to my knowledge okay um see he passed away in 2013 um i forget when we filed but uh my aunt died passed away in 2000 i think 15 okay and then um, I haven't had any contact with their son for years, so I don't know. I don't, I'm not even sure where he's at. Gotcha. Yeah, and those funds right now are set to, as they say, sundown July of this year. But they have already, there's bipartisan um, support, and they have submitted for it to be continued for another 19 years which at that point in time should give, you know, based on age, the majority of any surviving veterans and hopefully, or or their next of kin, the opportunity to submit um, to get that uh, monies that's, you know, that's due the veteran. 
Um, yeah. So that's something hopefully um, get, does happen. I'm gonna. I need to get back online and see where that is at in the process since that's rapidly approaching um, and everything. But no, I'm I'm hoping um, to somehow weasel my way into the NAVS conference in August to hopefully maybe get the opportunity to talk to some more, actually talk to some atomic veterans um, as they're gonna be in Oak Ridge, Tennessee uh, at their national conference. So, and obviously if you listen to the first a uh, couple um, podcasts, you know, I talked about Oak Ridge, Tennessee and how they were really, um, how they took a farmland, 60,000 plus acres with only 3,000 people on it, booted them out and built this insane process to develop uh, materials to use in the atomic weapons. Um, so yeah, it, it'll be interesting um, to be able to hopefully maybe get that opportunity to go down there. But so yeah, well I appreciate it, guys. You know it's I th they've long deserved deserve it, um, especially since they were not allowed to talk about any of it for so long. Um, and then you just kind of add it all up. You've got the atomic veterans and the exposure to radiation on purpose. Um, then you you know fast forward to Vietnam and the guys and with Agent Orange. And then you have the mystery illness from the guys that were there in the Gulf War. And then now you've got the burn pits and all of the other stuff that the guys are, uh, men and women that served in Iraq and Afghanistan are dealing with illnesses from that. Um, and they have to fight to be able to get that taken care of and get that help through the VA, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Because um, we need to obviously um, give more back to our veterans because they give enough to us. They deserve it. So. Agreed. Agreed. So, all right. Well, um, I hope everybody's enjoyed, you know, just kind of hearing a little bit about um, Operation Hardtack and um, our dad and Rex and just, you know, some of the things that they, you know, were able to participate in. Obviously, since they passed and they didn't give us a whole lot of details on anything, um, we couldn't add too much to it. Um, but I think getting to find... Uh, the declassified information online was really cool um, to see that dad was there. They were there for more than just one. It yeah. wasn't just one test. It was multiple. And they would have been exposed over and over and over for each one, depending on, you know, the proximity um, to each of those tests. But um, so appreciate it. Um, thank you both, Bill and Rob, for joining me today. Um, I didn't want to have a conversation about those guys without you guys as well. Um, so hopefully, you know, you guys tune back in. Uh, we'll get this uh, podcast up and posted, and then we'll continue on with the interviewing of veterans. No more scripted, um, as the first two were. And uh, hope you've enjoyed it, and we'll talk soon. Thanks. Mm -hmm.